love music, live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Jerry Collins on Rock Sport Radio. Hello there, welcome to the programme. It's a penultimate one of the week and of course uh, you can listen to us on DAB Digital Radio online at rocksportradio.co.uk via your smartphone using the TuneIn and the uh, Radiogram apps. That's your smartphone and your smart speaker and you can also watch the programme live as we stream on Facebook, Twitter and on Periscope. Uh, bit of a, a funny week this week. It's all been turned around. I wasn't here on Tuesday. Uh, Alex sat in for me. Jerry McCabe sat in for Mr Collins what were you on the sky for oh Bill I had the flu <laughs> the flu I had the flu oh, oh, no. my, my throat was not a flu I took night nurse I was told not to take night nurse and drive after it and I took night nurse I felt really drowsy but my throat was still a, a wee bit in my tickly cough you know and probably all that shouting last night at the football didn't help it so but I'm okay. I think I'm okay now, Bill. I'm, I'm over it. You've I'm never been worst. okay. I'm over the worst. You've never been okay. So, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm disappointed because if you had no voice on Tuesday and you were <laughs> off and I was off, there was a golden opportunity for me that was completely missed. Ah, you'll get your opportunity, Bill. You'll Do you get think it. So? Oh, goodness. Do you think so? Goodness me, you'll get it. Mm, maybe, maybe not. Anyway, you're feeling better now. I feel a lot better actually. I'm getting there. I'm getting Good. There. Good. So uh, was it just one of these summer coldy things, or was it actual flu with no, the aching no, limbs? And no, I had aching limbs. My back was sore. I had aching pains. But I was off for a couple of days. Oh, were you? I was, I. And my wife had it, and I think she's passed it to me. And But we've got medicine now, hopefully. Well, good of you to come in and pass it to me now. No, that's very kind of you. friends for, Bill? That's very kind of you. Hey, listen, before we start and we talk on, um, I want to talk to you about Ian McCall and Archie back at uh, yeah. back at Thistle, your thoughts. And, of course, there is now the situation uh, where Colin Weir has put in a bid for the club. Uh, I'm told there could even be a third bid going in. So I'm just wondering, you know, is, is, are we on the brink of civil war at Partick Thistle? Well, I was at the game last night and I was in the boardroom and I spoke to David Beatty just to find out what was happening. And I, I just mentioned, we're talking about Big Ruffy and things like that, and I felt that Big Ruffy left when the situation broke with Colin Weir because he felt that, that Jackie Lowe, who was in the Colin Weir camp, brought him in and Ruffy felt, to do the right thing, I need to go, but... I'd phoned him up and I said to him, listen, you're the ambassador for the club. No matter who is in charge of the club, which director or which chairman, you should be impartial and he should be an ambassador of the club. And, and you might like certain directors, but it shouldn't have a bearing on what he does. But he resigned out of principle, he said. But I spoke to David last night and David told me, he said, Terry, Big Ruffy's more than welcome at any time. And I know the situation. I know he felt obligated to the previous regime. But... I don't know what I'm doing here. Have I got, I got the stream? Yeah, I've got the stream on. Why have I got that on? Sorry, that was us. I was, <laughs> I was retweeting it and I obviously right. started it. But the, he said he's more than welcome to any other game. And, and given time, he'll be, he'll be back at Furrow, I would imagine. But then I asked him what was the situation with the takeover or the bids coming in. And he said, contrary to what you read in the, in the papers that we don't speak to anyone, we're in daily dialogue with bidders right now. That's what he said to me. Bidders, plural. Bidders. Multiple. You just said bidders. Okay. And the Americans were mentioned, actually, later on. So, but it, 
I spoke to another director who was there when I was there and hadn't seen him for a long time, Ronnie Gofillin, and he'd said to me as well, he said, Jerry, he's a thistle diehard. Or, or, even when he was off the board bill, he would go to every game. And he said, I just want, I want the, the, all the hullabaloo to have a Passover. Let's come to a conclusion and let's concentrate on the on the team. And We've got to imagine, though, though, if Colin Weir gets his way and takes over, then the board that is there now aren't going to be the board going forward. You're right, but I don't think Colin Weir will take over. Because it's got, it's got to be sanctioned, surely, with all the other shareholders. Yeah, but it, I'm not sure who's where and what's happening with it, Jerry, in terms of the various factions. Yeah. And these things have a, a kind of nasty habit of kind of, I don't know, turning into things that they aren't well, on the face of it. Well, there was a lot of there was a lot of thistle people wearing tie, thistle ties in the boardroom last night. And I didn't know how, I'd seen their face, but I don't know half of them. But I was talking, and the general consensus is the present board now is the best thing for Partick Thistle. Because the previous regime, they felt they didn't have Thistle at heart. There was other agendas. That's what I'm hearing. So. Well, I think that was fairly common thoughts by people, but you know, if you know, money talks, and if you get enough people swinging to certain sides, you, the, the problem that I have with it all, Jerry, is that it, it kind of smacks of Falkirk a wee bit, <clears throat> yep, and yep. from that point of view, we've all seen what happened to Falkirk, and I think it would be very sad if it happened to Partick Thistle. The one thing that <clears throat> that that this thing can't do is drag on too yeah. long. Because speculation is no good for anybody. I know that Ian McCall sought assurances before taking the job, but you just don't know with these things. You know, takeovers are funny things. Bids are funny things. You just can't kind of say this is definitely and this will definitely happen. I was talking to you. People switch allegiances for the slightest thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was talking to other people in the in the boardroom, and, and what I found funny was that when they sacked Caldwell, Jerry Britton came out and said that the manager's vision wasn't the vision of the board. The direction he was going was not the direction that the board wanted to take. And I thought, was that not just results? I mean, if you get results, then surely that, that kind of clams everybody up. But to say that, that his direction was not the direction of the board, I, I found that a wee bit strange. Mm. I don't know what you would read into it, but there is plenty going on at Thistle. What's your thoughts on, on Ian McCall going there and Archie coming in as his number two? What I was surprised about, um, I spoke to another director last night and I, I said to him about Danny Lennon because I, I get told that it was Danny. Well, I get told that as well, but Clyde apparently had given told Thistle <clears throat> he couldn't have permission to speak to him. Well, I, I'm going to say to you, I, I, I believe that Danny was the first choice and Clyde having knocked him back, they had to go elsewhere. And I think McCall had made it known that he would like to go back to Thistle. So Here's an interesting thing, though. You know, Danny, as we know, is an ambitious manager. <clears throat> yeah. He wants to do well. Yep. He's been up and down the leagues and, and, and various places and had a, a degree of success yeah. uh, at various levels. Won the, won the League Cup, though. Yeah, that's the, the point I'm making. And, and you have a situation where Danny gets told, or Thistle get told they can't speak to Danny. Danny obviously knows through the grapevine, through the media, he's the number one choice. And you then have a situation where you think to yourself, you know, 
how does that leave Danny? But then Danny, the very next day or a couple of days later, signs an extension on his contract. So he obviously is fairly happy at Clyde and feels that he's working with a good regime there. I think the good thing for Danny was that when it was made known that Danny was linked, Clyde have got, gave him better conditions, better working conditions. So it was a no-brainer. Danny, Danny wasn't getting it because Clyde didn't want him to go because I, I don't think Thistle could have paid a compensation package for him. Mm. I don't think they've got that type of money to line about because they, they, they would rather use that money, whatever it was, Bill, to go and strengthen the team. And that money wouldn't be, I don't think it would be there. So when Danny was refused to speak to them, I think the fact that they knew that Ian McCall, and David Beatty had worked with Ian McCall before anyway, so they knew it was getting... The one but he still hadn't answered my question, actually, which was the direct thing. Ian McCall and Archie going back as a, well, that, a double act, what do you think? Well, you, you cut me off in midstream, Bill. I was going to say, the thing that surprised me was that Archie coming back as a number two with Ian McCall. Well, he said he'd only do it if it, he said he wouldn't have come back for anybody else but Ian McCall as a number two. No, but the fact that Archie's been number one there and then coming back to go number two, I, I found very strange. But, hey, we've all got bills to pay and if, if he's needing if to pay a mortgage bill then and he's at a club that he loves anyway, albeit he's not one, he's number two as well. But I, I think it's a good fit because I think Archie knows the club inside out and McCall was a local boy. But McCall, I think he's... Does he not tell you he's a Thistle fan now, McCall? Is he not? I don't know, no? I've never heard that. No? He's, he's a West End boy, he's got Thistle in the blood and... Oh. But people... The, the fact that it's in McCall, I think Thistle fans will think and expect a lot more now. Because, it, to be fair, he's got a good track record as a manager, McCall. So, I hope he does it. I want to see Thistle back up there. No, everybody does. Yeah. Everybody does. I mean, you know, I know everybody says, no, that's not the case, but I still feel that everybody's got a soft spot oh, for the Jacks. Oh, without a doubt, Bill. Yeah, and people used to get annoyed. People would say, ah, oh, Thistle's a cuddly toy. They don't want to be the cuddly toy of Scottish football. Mm. They just want to be a team that, that's respected and, and playing in the SPFL. Mm. Well, time will tell. It wasn't a great start <clears throat> last night, obviously, but they were playing... Uh, they were playing the, the current league champions uh, in the League Cup. Uh, you were at the game. I'll talk to you about it now while we're waiting for our first guest. What was your, your thoughts? It was. I tell you what, it was a fair, I, I mean, look, I put I put Celtic. Uh, I put on Twitter Celtic cruise to uh, uh, victory against Thistle, and I got pelters for it. Well, Thistle are second bottom of the championship. What do you expect? I expect Celtic to cruise to victory against Thistle. But, you know, at the end of the day, Thistle have got a new manager. You might see a wee bit of a bounce. And for about 20 minutes, I thought they did... They did about, you know, 20 minutes, they kind of stood their ground a wee bit. See, the first half. In the first half, Celtic were off the pace. They score a goal, a good goal. Um, but they're off the pace. Mm. And the big Hatim Mohamed, was too casual, Bill. He was on the ball. And it's as if... You know you're betting your opponent, and it was kind of easy as you try to get by him. And the wee, the wee Thistle guys were in about his ankles, and they took the ball off him twice. It was one nothing at the time, and the ball got took off him. Ayer slept a wee bit on his positioning, and the boy played the ball through <coughs> to the inside right channel, and the guy had a shot and goal. Now, I thought he should have scored to make it one each. Mm. Craig Gordon a good save. 
Yeah. And it's all because just been like a days ago, lacklustre. When they came out the second half, God, the, the tempo was tenfold, Bill. Yeah. Everyone was shutting down and everyone was done crisp. Right. And then they just stepped up again. All right, listen, we will come back to the game and we'll look at the other games as well. We'll talk about <coughs> Celtic and we have uh, Paul John Dykes on with us uh, talking about it as well. But we've been talking about uh, Ian McCall, a new managerial move there. Uh, last week, speak to, uh, we were speaking to Ian McMenemy uh, after the demise of Colin McMenemy uh, from Stenhouse Muir. Davy Irons is the new manager there. Uh, Davy, are you pleased to be uh, at Stenny again? Yeah, delighted to be back. Um, a big hi to Jerry in the studio as well. Jerry, hope you're well. Cheers, Paul. Cheers, Paul. Davey, what was it that attracted you to the job? Um, probably the fact that I knew the club. I've been involved with the club on a couple of occasions over the years, and I've got a great affinity with the, the people at the club. They're really top class in terms of football. People are really going well with them, kept in touch over the years. And when they got in touch last week to see if I could take it just on a one off basis last Saturday, just to help them out, I was, uh, it was an honour to do so. And then it just kind of went from there. What's your what's your your thoughts on your starting point uh, with Stenny? Because obviously they've not been hitting the uh, the, the kind of level that, that the club expect and the board expected. Colin obviously was feeling frustrations as well. Where do you think the starting point is? What do you think the the missing ingredient is at the moment? It's probably most clubs, Bill, when they're struggling, is that that confidence. I'm looking at the squad. I've had a couple of sessions in obviously Saturday's game. And there's some real good players. I think Colin assembled a decent squad, especially for League Two level. Um, so, and I've been in football long enough to know that sometimes things just don't work out, and it's difficult to put your your finger on it. But I think that I came in on Saturday and we got a good result. Boy, we got a clean sheet, three points, and I'm hoping that will kickstart the season. Because, let's remember, there's only six games in. There's a long way to go. That is a long way ahead, and there's a, a, a lot of stuff. But you're still in the Iron Brew Cup as well, and you've got a, a fourth-round tie against Waterford. Um, how important is is the Iron Brew Cup to teams like Stenny and, and to you as a manager? OK, it's massive, Bill. I mean, I don't think at this level we can... You know, pick and choose what tournaments we want to do well, and I think we've got to take each one in its merits and just give it our best shot. I mean, Waterford, I haven't had a chance to find out too much about them, but it's obviously going to be an interesting game from a team from across the water, and it's uh, it brings a wee bit of extra publicity. I think it might even be on TV. I'm, maybe I'm misquoted there, but it might even be on telly, so... Yeah, but Stanley, we have to approach every competition we take part in and give it our best shot. David, what's your remit for the season with them? Jerry, it's to, to finish as high as we possibly can and get back into the, the League One as quickly as possible. I believe we can we can certainly be competing in the playoff places, Jerry. I think if we're looking at it honestly, Cove and Edinburgh City are very strong. Got good resources. They might be the two teams that might get a wee bit of a gap, but I think from the rest of them, I don't think there's going to be much in the league. Yeah, a couple of results, and we'll, we'll see. 
David, is your, is your job change that gives you more time and more scope for the for being the manager, or are you just have to juggle the two of them? No, it has changed, Jerry. I've got my roles changed with uh, my current employer. I've got I'm basically a Monday to Friday, eight till five, so it's uh, freed me up for oh, to be able to good. Um, apply myself to the Steny role. So, aye, it's uh, things have worked out well, Jerry. Good, well done, Paul. Davey, one of the other things as well, which is is good for you, is you've been able to bring in Kevin McGoldrick, and that must be uh, that must be a, a a nice feeling for you working with Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kevin and I had a, a real good relationship the last time we were both here, and uh, he was a, one of the first names I thought of when when the club offered me the role or the chance to be stepping into the, the manager's role. Kevin was always high on the list. Of, Priorities, so no, it's he's good. He's got a lot of experience at various levels. And he's he's good around the club, and he knows the club as well. So no, hopefully it'll be a positive um, partnership for the for Stenis Muir. I've spoken very often to to Ian, your chairman, uh, on a regular basis on the show and personally one-to-one. And he's a man who's very realistic about where the clubs sit, but he's also very ambitious for the club. What what kind of vision was given to you and and where do you see Stenhouse Muir moving forward? I mean, have you you got to formulate like a three-year plan? And I know that's in fate in football these days. But you've got to go in with a positive attitude. You've got to have a vision and you've got to be able to say to the board, listen, this is where I think we can get to, but it's going to take this route map to get there. No, absolutely. I think um, when I spoke to the board on Monday, I outlined my plans and without going into too much detail for the listeners, I split it into immediate short-term goals, uh, medium, long-term goals. And I spoke about that with Ian and the other board members and it was basically, to cut a long story short, I don't see why Stenhouse Muir cannot be one of the best part-time clubs in the country. They've got structure, they've got facilities, they've got ambition. And uh, as I say, you know what, football, a few results breeds confidence. And uh, looking looking beyond my initial first few weeks, I do believe that there's a there's a real strong squad and the, there's the backup and the resources that are available to myself and the rest of the coaching team will allow us to take the club forward. I think like any manager, you're always ambitious. You set targets, you set you know the players. I've got. I'm going to set the players' targets, but personally, my target is to get Stenhousemuir back into certainly League One. Um, and the last time we was here, we were whisked away from being in the playoffs for the championship. So I'm hoping to replicate that um, in the time that I'm going to be here. D- David, how do you find the fitness of the team for you've come back in? Do you think it could be fitter, or, or do you think they're as fit as they can be? I think it's been difficult, Jerry, for just a couple of sessions. But going on, I'll take Saturday just as a as a guide. I think the, the boys finished the game really strong, uh, and I'm, that's not been critical of Breakin City. I think we were the stronger side physically on the day. So um, I'll continue to assess that over the next two or three weeks. But you know, first impressions, Jerry, they looked strong, they looked fit. Um, just needed that wee bit more organisation and a wee bit of confidence. So. As you well know, Jerry, in your time as management, I think the biggest thing is, is man managing the players and 
getting them to believe in themselves and understanding their roles and responsibilities. And that's going to be my biggest challenge, I would think. I would Hopefully think the boys will buy into it. You're probably right there, David. The other thing I would say as well, as you know, that being a part-time club, see if the guys are fit. If they're fit and then they buy into what you're trying to do, David, it goes a long way. Because the fitness will kick in Definitely and they'll believe it. That's it. I mean, as long as I mean, if they can maintain their fitness, and I think nowadays players are do look after themselves. It's, it's a different era to when we were playing, Jerry. You know, and it's, players do look after themselves a bit better. I mean, they're in. They do this kind of what we call the the early pre stuff before they actually start training. They're out with the bands. You know, they're in the gym. And the majority of boys have a real good attitude here, so and that buys you a bit more time to actually work on things, Jerry. Yeah. You know, you don't have to say, right, I've got to do a bit of fitness work tonight. You can actually work on shape and you know individual roles and responsibilities on the pitch. So it's um, no, I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to the challenge and. I say hopefully we can be successful. David, there's a wee bit of a cliff sticking as much as, you, and you referred to yourself when you were previously at Steny, uh, and the success you had then. Uh, how how are you going to manage fans' expectation levels in terms of they're going to look back to when you were last there and how close you came to that championship situation? Uh, and obviously what they can't do is expect too much too quickly. So there is a, a level of a job to be done in terms of measuring and, and managing uh, fans' expectation levels. How easy is that going to be? Oh, it's, it's never easy. You can't really you can't dictate to fans what, what you expect from them, but I think it's just going on and putting out a positive as far as the club are concerned and everything they do. You know, it's about getting a team on the pitch that's going to be attractive, it's going to be successful. And if we're winning games and the fans expect us to continue to win games, then great. Because um, if, if their expect, expectations are high, then that's something that, that we hope to, um, hope to be able to achieve as well, being successful. Because you know, when I first came to Steny, I thought it was the opposite way around. I thought Steny didn't really believe that they should be a club that should be challenging for the championship. And I think in the first time I was here, I think we managed to turn that around a wee bit and say, listen, why can't we be the top part-time club in Scotland? Because at that time, the teams like Queen of the South, Dumbarton, you know, even Air United, they were part-time clubs, and you know they were all striving to be a championship club. So why can't Stennis Muir do that? But um, fan expectations—it's a difficult one to measure. But you know, going by Saturday, I think the club are realise that you know we should be better than we are in terms of position, albeit it's early early on in the season. It's a mixed bag because you, your next match is Stirling Albion who are what four points below you and uh, then you've got Cove and we all know what's happening with Cove at the minute but you know I'm assuming that you're, you're confident that you're going to get things uh, on an even keel and, and start progressing. What about the immediate game on Saturday at Stirling? Yeah, I mean, Stirling are probably, they'll, they'll believe they're underachieving. They'll believe they've had a poor start to the season as well. So, um, you just take each game in its merit and it's going to, we do, we'll do our homework and we'll be prepared. I'll look at, we'll look at the team that Stirling, Stirling have got and on paper, they've got a, a strong side. But again, going back to one of the first things we spoke about, it's just about confidence and if, you know, we've got a wee bit, Hopefully, I'll get a wee bit more in the tank after getting that result on Saturday. Still, got a point last weekend down at Annan, so 
Um, they'll probably feel the pressure a wee bit being at home, so maybe that's something that we can capitalise on as well. But as I say, I think with the teams in this, I think in all the sort of three lower leagues, any team can beat anybody on their day. So we'll have to be very cautious about you know how we go about the game, regardless of the fact Sterling are three or four points behind us. Ian was saying when we had him on last week that uh, obviously it's a different ball game being in League 2 at the moment because unlike previously with the, the pyramid kicking in the way that it does uh, you know you can you can be looking at leaving the SPFL and that's something that no club wants to do. Um, does it put extra pressure on you as a manager coming in even though there is a long way to go in the, the season Davey? Uh, listen, I've not really thought too much about that, Bill, in terms of the bottom end of the table. I'm focusing on taking Stenish Muir up and challenging the top, but I'm, I'm, in, I'm in agreement. I think there should be a pyramid system in Scottish football anyway, because um, I think it, I don't think any club has a right to just sit in the, in the lower league and just yeah. fester. I think you have to have that ambition. We've certainly got an ambition here at Stenish Muir, so you know, as far as looking down the way, I don't want to do that. I think we've got to focus on looking up the way and competing as high up in this league as we possibly can. And that is competing against Cove and teams like that. So, no, I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to the challenge. Um, Jerry will tell you, if football's in your blood, it's difficult to yeah, right, yeah, David. get David, out of How long's your contract? It, so. Is it to the end of the season or is it a two-year deal you've got? It's just that uh, we've got an open contract, Jerry. I've got an agreement with the club that, you know, I think at this level it's it's not all about time scales. It's just about coming in and doing a job. And um, as I say, I'm not. I wasn't concerned about how long I'm going to be here. As I say, well, just want to focus on the the, the immediate future and get Stenis Muir back on track. Hello. Listen, good luck for the rest of the season for you and for Kevin and for uh, the Warriors. So uh, we'll keep an interested eye open and hopefully talk to you again as the, pro- the season progresses. Davey, good luck. Davey, I'll get uh, and well done. Congratulations. Thanks, Bill, and thanks, Jerry. Right, All right. the best. Take care, Paul. Be in touch. Bye-bye. Davey Bye. Irons talking to us as a Stenhouse Muir manager tonight as he goes off to take the team for training. Thoughts on the appointment? Great appointment. Big day. I always thought he was still there. David was there as a, the assistant before. That's right. But he was, he, I don't know if you knew, David was a policeman. And he worked in Dumfries and got promotion. And it started to affect his job because I believe that he could He still is a police, apparently. Yeah, but that's what he's saying. It's now Monday to Friday. So uh, now he's okay for, for the games now. But what a good player he was, Bill. Oh, David, yeah, I know. I know. Do you know, I'll tell you a quickie that we went to Parkhead with Partick Thistle. And with no centre halves. And John Lamy said to me, We'll play Dave Irons at centre half tonight. And I thought, What? Dave Irons is a, a skillful, forward thinking midfield player. And I said to him, You've been drinking? He said, Dave Irons will play centre half along. I think it might have been Wally Jemison or something. Dave Irons was man of the match. Outstanding he was, Bill. He was taking the, he's doing, he was doing what the big boy Ayer is doing for Celtic now. David, rather than heading balls up the park, David was killing it dead and breaking forward and passing it. And everybody went, wow. We never, i never seen that in David. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but David will only have a couple of years, I would have thought, in the police before retirement. Because he would be, what, what 58? Around 57, 58, David? David Irons, I thought about 55, maybe. Mm, okay, all right. What a good player he was. 
I wish him well. I hope he does well. Oh, I'm sure. Good, he, good I'm guy. sure he will. I, I, I like his attitude, and and he'll get a lot of a lot of support from Ian McManamy. You know, Ian's a good chairman. Yeah. Um, I think it helps the fact that he knows the club as well as he knows yes. the club. Ah, he's been there. That, that's a big thing for going into a club yeah. like Stenny at the minute. Um, excuse me. Listen, we'll take a break and we'll come back and we will talk more football here on Rock Sport. Imagine raw power, supreme skill, hand-to-hand combat and national pride. Imagine putting your body on the line for the greatest prize in world rugby. The Rugby World Cup... 2019. Rock Sport Radio will bring you comprehensive coverage of this titanic battle between the world's top teams. Who will reign supreme? Will it be Northern or Southern Hemisphere? Rock Sport Radio's Lewis Stewart will be in Japan to give you the latest team news and reports from all of Scotland's games. The Rugby World Cup on Rock Sport Radio, brought to you by Motorpoint Glasgow. Jet off to Rome next year to watch. Watch Italy v Scotland. Score two free tickets to the Six Nations at Motorpoint Glasgow. Just two minutes from Junction 3 off the M74. Do you hear that? That's your family coming round to your new house for Sunday lunch. Your son opening the door of his first home. Visitors arriving at your guest house. Friends coming over to watch the football. Scottish Building Society offer a range of mortgages, so we can turn this into this. Scottish Building Society. We've been helping people open doors since 1848. Call us today on 0345 600 4085. Scottish Building Society is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. They've had your money long enough. Now's the time to act. If a bank like Lloyd's or the Halifax persuaded you to move your savings and you lost out, don't miss this opportunity to get your money back. Text GOOD to 6677 and Goodwin Barrett could help you recover monies you thought had gone for good. Don't miss out. Text GOOD to 6677 now. You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint and if unsuccessful you can refer it free to the financial ombudsman. It's easy to put things off. I'll sort it tomorrow. It'll wait. Well, turns out if you're a man with prostate disease, the sooner you spot it, the better it can often be treated. So if your dad or brother have had prostate cancer or you're having trouble with your waterworks, do something about it. See your GP or visit prostatescotland.org.uk for more information. Prostate Scotland. Pull your finger out. Love music. Live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Jerry Collins on Rock Sport Radio. Betfred Cup action last night and off the back of a good win in a fairly dismal game, I have to say, at uh, Easter Road. Uh, hearts go through against Aberdeen. Let's talk to Ben Palmer, his journalist, Aberdeen journalist. Uh, ben, it must have been a wee bit of a surprise, surely, for Don's fans. The, the result last night? Yes. Uh, slightly. I mean, there, there's uh, levels of agitation in the, in the Dawn support at the minute uh, after a couple of sort of poor performances away from home. Uh, even Livingston on Saturday, where, where we got the win, uh, we weren't at their convincing best. I so, don't know. I don't know so, how you won that game on Saturday. I really don't. I, how Livy lost that game is beyond me. Yeah, I mean, Livingston could have been out of sight by half time, but I mean, 
McKinnis said after the game that he wasn't down there to play pretty football. He, he was down there to get the win and get up the road. And I, and I mean, he kind of tried to do the same last night. But in the final minutes in stoppage time, Craig Halkett pops up in the middle of the box. Nobody picks him up and, and he buries it. So, um, yeah, a little bit, a little bit disappointed for the Aberdeen fans, I would say. What's what's the general feeling? Because before the, the season started, we'd spoken to a couple of people, and there was a wee bit of not unrest, but there was a wee bit of concern with Aberdeen fans as to where they might finish this season, uh, and they weren't absolutely sure that they would finish top three whether it was in second place or third place uh, and they weren't sure in their own minds either that Derek McInnes hasn't hit a glass ceiling uh, and that he's gone as far as he can go with Aberdeen uh, and, and that wouldn't be an unreasonable assumption to make mm-hmm. This summer uh, McInnes had a major rebuilding job <clears> to do after st- several key players left he lost his captain and Graham Shinney as well and all of a sudden he has taken eight or nine bodies and the- we played Chikura Sashkir in the Europa League, one five nil, brilliant performance at home, absolutely scudded them. And then everybody's excited and you think, right, this is great, this Aberdeen are going forward, they look good again this season. But then you have a couple of poor performances, like I said, the Livingston game, Hearts last night, and all of a sudden people are worried. I, I mean, in the Aberdeen support, you're right to say not everybody is 100% behind Derek McInnes. I mean, when he took over the club uh, several years ago now, they, they were ninth in the SPL, they weren't, weren't in a good place. And, and he has taken them, he's taken them to finals, he's taken them to semi-finals, he, he's won a trophy. So, I mean, I mean, some fans certainly feel that he's taken them as far as he can and that he's sort of, he, he's had the glass seal on, as you would say, uh, whereas others kind of recognise just where the club were uh, before he came in. Ben, Jerry Collins here. Ben, the, the length of time that, that Denny McInnes has been at the club, right, he finished, with a th- he finished second in the league three times in a row, albeit Rangers were out of the league at the time. Now, what's considered a good season for Aberdeen? Because if they finish if they finish third in the league, and they don't get to cup finals, how is that? How would that be viewed by the Aberdeen fans, having previously been to cup finals and finished second? Yeah, I mean it's difficult. There was a divide in the Aberdeen support between people who feel that we should be punching above our weight and people who realise that maybe this is our level. Now, what is a good season for Aberdeen? Has to be winning the cup. Has to be winning uh, competing. For second, probably. I mean, when Rangers were out of the league, they were competing for the top spot, but I think with the money Rangers and Celtic have spent, it's probably a, a leap too far. So, I mean, a good season for Aberdeen would be finishing second, but I think par for the course of the season would be finishing third. Kind of accepting that Celtic and Rangers are a good bit ahead of them, but I would certainly feel that for, for fans to be happy, for fans to recognise it as a good season, they probably need to win a cup. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, if they finish third in the league, right, and they don't win a cup, how would that be viewed mm-hmm. on his performance? I mean, it depends what you're talking to. I mean, I mean, Aberdeen fans on the whole probably say it's not a bad season. It depends how far we get in the cup as well. If we get knocked out of the Scottish Cup in the, in the first round, we're in, then obviously uh, it would be perceived very, very differently. But 
I think finishing third would be would be a solid enough season. Let me ask you about this because you know finishing third buys you into Europa League. Do you think you should be getting further in, in European tournaments like the Europa League? Do you think Aberdeen are are they performing to the level that fans expect, uh, and maybe even the manager expects? I mean, the Europa League is another bone of contention among supporters because we've, they have qualified um, for the qualifying rounds the last several years, and again, much like domestically in the cups and the league, there's a glass ceiling there, a, a very clear glass ceiling, which is the third round of qualifying. This year, I think many people felt that they, they should have got further this year. They faced Rijeka, who they beat comfortably a few years ago. I mean, admittedly, Rijeka are a good side, but there was a feeling there that they were there for the taking, and I think they played Genk in the qualifying round, the playoff round, and ultimately they were beaten. But I do think people maybe feel that Aberdeen could have gone further in the Europa League, certainly this season. What does it tell you, though, Ben, if you come up against the team that you beat previously, a number of years before, that they then come back and beat you? It shows you that they're making progress and they're getting better. But Aberdeen aren't necessarily. Yeah, I mean, Rijeka have got players in their squad. They, they are a good team. Um, but, I mean, Derek has to change his, his squad so often. Every single summer, Derek has to change his personnel. His best players are pinched by bigger clubs. His best players go down to the championship. Rangers come in for Ryan Jack, for example. So every single summer, he has to rebuild. And I mean, this, this year in particular, with eight or nine players coming in, I mean, that, that's not an easy task at all. He's had injuries as well, and, and they've been fairly key yeah. injuries, uh, particularly McKenna. You know, Scott McKenna's been uh, he's been out and uh, with that. Is that a hamstring that he's got? Yeah, yeah, he had a very similar injury uh, at the same time last season. Again, innocuous, just kind of pulled up. Don't think there was anything sinister in it. So all of a sudden, I mean, the thing is, Andrew Constein's kind of filled in for him at centre-half, and he, he's probably been Aberdeen's best player this season. Uh, but you're right to say injuries really haven't helped. Ash Taylor um, went off and won the Europa League games. He was expected to be back by now, but he, he's had a reoccurrence of his injury, so he's out again. Craig Bryson's out for a month. Um, Futso Ojo, the midfielder, um, was signed ahead of Hibs. He, Hibs were interested in him as well. He's out until 2019, uh, 2020, sorry. And then Scott Wright, the the young winger, he's out for the rest of the season. So we certainly have injury problems, but there, there is depth in the squad as well. Um, although you did see last night they were sort of struggling. I mean, the midfield was Lewis Ferguson and Dean Campbell, who, who between them only had a combined age of 38 years old. So the, the squad's certainly stretched. Does that depth, though, represent a similar amount of quality? Because it's okay having quantity, but if you don't have enough yeah. quality in that strength and depth, then you're still fighting with one hand tied behind your back, really. I mean, I think Lewis, uh, Lewis Ferguson and Dean Campbell are great young players, but I mean, they're, they're young. So the thing that Aberdeen are missing at the middle of the, in, in, a, in the middle of the park is experience. Craig Bryson was brought in from Derby. And I mean, Derby offered him another contract. They wanted him to stay at the club. Other Scottish Premiership clubs were were interested in Bryson. So he represented a major coup for McInnes. Now, he came up with an injury. It took him a while to get started. And then all of a sudden, he's got a second injury. He's up other ankle, which was just desperately unfortunate for him. So, I mean, the depth is there. But, I mean, 
like maybe the quality purely because they're inexperienced players maybe isn't always there. I was going to say there, Ben, about the, the players that's left the club, you'd need to say are quality players. And mm-hmm. the players that they've, that's replaced them, I don't think they're, they're of the same quality of what's left the club, mm-hmm. which makes Aberdeen, mm-hmm. in, my, in my opinion... I, th- I said it's not, I said I thought Aberdeen would finish second in the league because I thought Craig, Craig Brazen, for me, was always a good player. Always a good player. Yeah. Um, but it, it's no it's no panned out that way. And, and now I'm thinking... God, the players I brought in are no up to the standard of what Aberdeen had before. No. I mean, you look at players that have come and gone in McInnes' time. You've got James Madison, you've got Ryan Christie, uh, and there's other ones as well. Kenny McLean also played in the Premier League. So, I mean, it's very difficult, very difficult to replace a player of that calibre. I mean, he's taken in Ryan Hedges this year, who's got a couple of caps and friendlies for Wales, and you'd kind of hope that he would become that sort of important player in the final third, that he'd be the one linking it. But he, he's not the quality of a McLean or a Christie or a Madison just yet. It's going to take time for these sort of players to get up to that level. I mean, the funny thing is that McInnes has now got in Sam Cosgrove, one of the most potent strikers in Scotland, I mean, he always had Adam Bruni to score the goals, but now he's got Cosgrove, who uh, seemingly can't stop scoring even in, even in defeat. But ben, Ben, the players you're talking about there, they were loan players that Aberdeen had. They were never Aberdeen players. So sometimes I think you get a bit lazy when you've got loan players in. And I then believe that had Aberdeen pushed the boat out at the time, they could have signed Ryan Christie. Because Ryan Christie mm-hmm. was, was, didn't he really feature going back into a Celtic team. Ryan Christie's no. now revolutionised the whole team on his performances. But if Aberdeen, would, in my opinion, had they pushed the boat out, they could have signed Ryan Christie. Well, Ryan Christie was all set to sign for Aberdeen. I mean, that, that was what everyone thought was happening. But then it appeared that Olivia and Cham would have been leaving Celtic and all of a sudden I think that was a scenario anyway so Celtic needed to keep the bodies and well Ryan Christie is taking his chance with both hands and Forrest and so I, I don't think it was a, a question of they not pushing the boat out for Christie Guys can I ask you both a question I'd like both your views on this if, if Aberdeen continue to not do particularly well in Europa League still hover around third or fourth in the uh, in the league, and don't win a cup. Is Derek McInnes going to come to the realization that he might have taken Aberdeen as far as he can take them, and then get frustrated himself and and look for a new opportunity? Um, I mean, McInnes has looked for other opportunities. He, he he spoke to Rangers. He spoke to Sunderland. So, I mean, he's definitely an ambitious manager. He's a manager who wants to take a step to the next level. When that happens, it is very interesting. He's currently contracted, I think, until 2022. So that's three years away. There's a big project going on at Aberdeen at the minute in terms of relocating to Kingsford and the training facilities that, that, I mean, the club have never had. So he's going to have all these new provisions at his disposal. So, I mean, maybe he'll feel that with those coming in, maybe he can take Aberdeen to the next level. I don't think he's a, he's ambition or wavering. Jerry, what do you think? See, Bill, I, I thought Derek McInnes was strong. When he finished second three in a row and he was getting to cup finals and he's won, already won a cup, but the, the minute Rangers came back into the league, for me, 
Aberdeen went back to third position. Not only... and. I disagree with you, Ben, when you say that Aberdeen were pushing Celtic for the league. I never thought they were pushing for the league. Never at any time did I think that. But I think now that with Rangers back in there, they'll be the main contenders, and Aberdeen would need to fight Rangers, who, at the start of the year, I thought Rangers would need to fight Aberdeen for it, but the way it's looking right now, Aberdeen's got to try and fight Rangers to be second, in my opinion. And for Derek McInnes to have achieved what he achieved for the previous time that, that Rangers weren't there, it's got to be down a downward spiral, I think. Mm-hmm. In, in the 2015-16 league, Aberdeen had, did have a bit of a crack <clears> at the league. They won their first eight games. They beat Celtic at Bataudry. It was only after the split that they floundered. So they had a bit of a crack. They should have done better during that time, perhaps. But, I mean, we certainly did give it a crack. Ben, just to put things into perspective for Mr Collins, and I'm not saying this is the case, but they might even mm-hmm. have to fight Celtic for second place, so let's just keep things in perspective. <laughs> you might have a bad throat, but ben, you know, ben, you're right, Ben, you there's, might, lo- there's you a might, lot of free drinking. You, might, right. have a, you might have a bad throat, <laughs> but don't think that I'll take pity on you, because, uh, no, seriously, <laughs> let's 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 look at, at, at the situation. Has Derek McInnes in any way been hindered or hampered by the fact that the new stadium has been developed and, and obviously there's, there's funds have to be directed in that direction. Mm-hmm. The, the club insists that he hasn't. Um, I think the wage bill is as high as it's ever been at Aberdeen. Uh, they offered Graham Shinney a financial package which was higher than anything the club had ever offered to a player. So, I mean, he said the funds are certainly there, but I mean, £10 million pounds they spent on uh, these training facilities and it's come from wealthy backers but led by the vice chairman, Dave Cormack. But now we've got to go and find £50 million for a stadium. Um, and that's not going to come from nowhere. So it, it remains to be seen whether it's going to hinder McInnes' budget or not. Looking at the, the situation as it stands just now, are you confident that Aberdeen can win a trophy and, and finish third in the league? Well, the only, the only trophy left is the Scottish Cup. So, I mean, Aberdeen will be confident. Once McInnes, McInnes needs to get a rhythm with his squad. He, need, he needs to find out who his best players are this season because it, it hasn't quite happened there. They're not in their full stride yet. So, I mean, once that, if once it pick up, and you would expect it to pick up because McInnes has taken the team through ruts before, you, you, would, you would hope that Aberdeen would have a, a good chance of winning the Scottish Cup, but... So, we'll see how that goes. Here's a, here's a wee bit of it just before you come in, Jerry. This will make you smile, the pair of you. Last night, when the team lines were given out at the Tony Macaroni for <laughs> Livy against Rangers, Rangers' manager was quoted as being Derek McInnes with assistant Tony Doherty. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, I was reading last week, Ben, that, that Aberdeen only turned up against one half of Glasgow. And come Saturday, that... Certain people said that if Aberdeen had performed the same way against Celtic as they do against Rangers, then the league would be the only one for maybe the three teams. So, what do you think of that? Well, I think that's harsh. I mean, the the, the biggest sliding doors moment for McInnes was the Scottish Cup final in Brendan Rodgers' first season, um, the the Invincible campaign. They, they were never going to win the league that year. What, what, what campaign was that, Ben? Ben, what campaign was that? So, 16-17, Rogers first. Was that... Oh, did you say Invincible there? Yes. Oh, sorry. I, I, okay, I thought I heard you. Invincible sounds nice. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> Aye. So, um, anyway, 
I've locked you off your I know, I know. McInnes, uh, we got scalped to the Betfred Cup final, then the Scottish Cup yeah, final. Yeah. We take the lead, they have a right good goal. That 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 was a big one for Aberdeen. And, and I mean, you can't say we didn't have a goal at Celtic that day. That's a Celtic team who were mentally flawless. No, I, I'm not saying that they don't. I'm saying to you that it was reported, I read it in the press, that a certain ex Rangers player said that Aberdeen don't perform the same way against Celtic as they do against Rangers. Many times have you heard that, though, coming from either side about certain teams? You know, I've heard that coming back and forward yeah. all the time. It, it's something that gets thrown, when it, whatever side of the old firm it yeah. is, that gets chucked out. I, 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 I don't believe it, because I believe that Aberdeen do. I, be, I believe every team tries <clears throat> to do the best they can in whatever game. I sometimes question their, their methods of doing it uh-huh. in terms of sitting in and inviting Rangers <clears throat> or Celtic onto them mm-hmm. uh, and, and ending up taking shooting in, but that's never the case with Aberdeen. You know, I, I think Aberdeen try and play. I, I think Aberdeen genuinely believe that they're, they're contenders and challengers. And given the right circumstances, I think they could be. But I don't know that the right circumstances are just now. And if I'm honest, I'm not sure that Derek McInnes is the right manager now. I think he's been there a long time. He's achieved a hell of a lot there. Um, but I, I sometimes think that... <laughs> You get to a point, it's a wee bit like Tommy at St. Johnson. You, you get to a point where you just know when it's time to go. Uh, and the mere fact that Derek McInnes previously has spoken to other clubs about possibly leaving. You think that dilutes his. No, I think what it tells me is that he maybe is looking for another opportunity. He's just not found the right one yet. Mm-hmm. Ben? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. Um, I mean, he was linked to a Scotland job in the summer as well, so I mean, we would be having a totally different conversation right now if the SFA hadn't appointed Steve Clark. But, I mean, who who comes in from Derek McInnes now? He, he's been at Bristol City. I mean, it'll be very very interesting to see the next club that he's linked with. Mm. Rangers were interested. He didn't fancy that. Didn't fancy Sunderland. And he, he said before that when he goes back to England, which which he feels he will, he wants it to be to the right club. He doesn't want to go to a club where he hasn't got the right feeling. He wants to go to a club where he'll, he'll feel safe and he'll, he'll feel like he can, he can do the job there. So he's fussy, Derek. So we don't know we don't know where he'll end up next. Well, listen, they're at Ibrox at the weekend. Let's hear what uh, Stephen Gerrard makes of that visit. Look, we're going in. We're going into this fixture in a good place, and there is confidence and belief. But sometimes that can be a dangerous thing, um, where you can go in and think that the momentum is just going to continue. Um, Derek McInnes is going to bring his team here. They're going to be well organised, well drilled. They're going to raise the game because it's Rangers for sure. Because you know the history of, of this fixture, Rangers players raise it against Aberdeen, vice versa. They're on the back of a real tough night at heart with the, the extra time. I'm sure their players and staff didn't want that. We're on the back of a real physical encounter at Livingston, so it'd be an interesting fixture, but one we're really looking forward to. But going in with too much confidence and too much belief can, can be a problem as well. So the players need to be careful and make sure that we try and find our level. What's your thoughts on those comments, Ben? It's, it's very interesting when you look back at when Aberdeen beat Rangers in the Betfred Cup semi-final a year ago. Everybody expected Aberdeen uh, to get battered that day as well. Rangers, I think, could just came off the back of a decent draw at home to Spartak Moscow, undefeated in, a, in several games. So the confidence was thrown at Ibrox, and then Aberdeen did a job in them at Hamden and uh, put their place in the final. So, I mean, Aberdeen v Rangers is always a, a great game. It's always sort of, 
it was a fair atmosphere to it. Both teams are pumped up for it. So, I mean, I mean Gerard's probably right in saying that Aberdeen will, will raise our game from what it was on Wednesday anyway. Kerry, what's your thoughts about the weekend tussle? I, I don't see Aberdeen troubling Rangers, but I told you that for day one, I thought Aberdeen would finish second in the league. Having watched what I've seen so far, I don't believe that they will finish second. I think, I, I know you think Rangers could win the league. I think, well, Rangers, I, 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 think I think any team can win yeah, the league. But, um, but Ben, let me ask you before I answer that, what is the best part of the Aberdeen team? What are they good at? When they get chances, Cosgrove scores them. Right. So that, that's what he's effective at. He's, he's, I think it's something like 12 or 13 right. goals already this season. So if you get the ball to him, he'll score. Right. That, so that, that's the, that's so, the most so important you're, thing. So you're better going forward. I don't understand for the life of me why Aberdeen, when they come to Parkhead or Ibrox, where they sit behind the ball and give the opposition the ball and say, break us down. And hurt us. Mm-hmm. That's not the Aberdeen way. If I'm an Aberdeen fan, I want my team to go and try and attack and win the game. Because if you attack and, and try and win the game, you might end up with a draw. If you go and play defensive football, somewhere along the line, someone will make a mistake and somebody will get in and you'll get beaten in the game. And that's what I don't like about Aberdeen. About just give the opposition the ball and we'll, we'll play in here and we'll try and hit on the break. That's not your game. Your game is you've got a good guy up front, he can hit the ball the back of the net, get forward, get the ball to him and you've got a chance. Mm-hmm. McInnes is pragmatic. I mean, the way he looks at it is that he goes somewhere not to go out and play expansive football. He, he, McInnes is quite happy winning every mm-hmm. single game 1-0. So, I mean, that's not for everybody. It's it's not for you either. But, I mean, that, that that's the way he looks at a lot of these big fixtures. Certainly away for him. I think one of the problems you've got this year with Rangers, and maybe Jerry will contradict me here, but Rangers are winning games that they would have lost last year. Rangers have learned how to win ugly uh, and manage games better, in my view. That obviously didn't come into play against Celtic at Ibrox, where they get, you know... They got overrun. Um, but generally, I've watched Rangers play this season and thought to myself, that's a result Rangers have got this season that they wouldn't have got last season because they have become more resilient. They have learned to manage games better and they have learned to win ugly. And that's something they didn't do last season. And I think that's what cost them valuable points against other teams out with Celtic. Well, I, I think... I think Wait, a, carry on, Ben. On you go. I'll give you first. I was just going to say, when, when Aberdeen went down to Ibrox and won in the Scottish Cup uh, towards the end of last season, it was because we got down there, we got in Rangers' face and they ruffled them up. I think you're, you're probably right in saying that Rangers are a bit more streetwise this year, we've got a bit more character about them. So we'll, we'll probably be able to stand up to that Aberdeen challenge a bit better. I, I just think, Bill, that I know you're saying that winning one nothing late in the game wins your league titles. Well, I, I think that's a pretty false because it's a false dawn for me because when you're winning games one nothing, and you didn't deserve to win the game I think it, it gets the team out of jail a wee bit and it happens, see, too, it happens too often Bill it happened at St Myrne, it happened at Colmarnock it happened in the European game and you're winning one nothing. Jerry, you, Jerry, Celtic have made a profession out of it for the last three seasons winning games in the final Bill, minute of the game right, but Celtic had a, I don't know how many but no Celtic, no you can't, you can't adjust these thoughts to, to 
No, I'm going to say to you, Celtic occasionally would win the game in the last dying end of the game. Occasionally, my feet. Right? People were talking about it week in, week out. Celtic scored goals, but Celtic scored over 50 goals it this does, season. I know that, but that doesn't matter if you the one you score, the one you win the game on is scored in the 94th minute. Uh, well, I, I would think that Stephen Gerrard wouldn't be happy. Well, be happy well, let, me, let, let me put it this way. Let right. me put it this way. What wins games? Goals win right. Game, right, goals win games. If you if you score a goal more than your opposition, you deserve to win. If it takes you ninety minutes to to win games that normally your team should be winning two and three nil, Bill, there's something it's wrong. Winning. There's something wrong there. If Rangers, if Rangers won every single game this year one nil and won the league, I don't think. Anybody in government would be bothered about how they want no, to No, no, you're right. You, you're right there. I agree with you. But what I'm saying is, if you're wanting, watching football, I, I watch Celtic and I watch Celtic score five. I know they're playing Partick Thistle. Celtic were battering teams all season. Rangers struggle to get the goal and the dying numbers of certain games, and then they go and beat Hibs. Was it four one five one? They beat six one. Bill Hibs. Who? Rangers. Yeah. Hibs go down to 10 men, it's 2-1, and then they go to 10 men, and the team collapses. They were never dominant with, with 11 v 11 ball at 2-1. Hibs are still in the game. Yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Every team every team at 2-1 are still in the game. If you're yeah. playing anybody and it's 2-1, you've still got a chance. But, but my point is, Bill, that the only time that they've been cruising was a Hibs game. Yeah, but the point that I'm making, and this is what you're missing, is that they wouldn't have they wouldn't have won those games last season, where they're getting the one nils and and winning and, and scoring in the last minute. They'd have given up the ghost, and it would have been a draw. They'd have got beat. Well, which you've seen it. Yeah, I, 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 and, and you can't say that occasionally Celtic have popped up and scored in the last minute of the game. They've done it on a regular basis, and that's why we said that's why you win championships because you don't stop playing. Until you're up the tunnel, but it happens too often, Bill. It happens well, too it often. Plenty often for Celtic over the last few seasons. But we're not talking about Celtic. We're talking about Rangers I, scoring. I, I, but but goals. you can't. You can't. You can't you're not talking apples for apples you, here. Yeah, Bill. you are. That's exactly what you're talking. No, no, no. You're talking exactly apples for apples because no, no. you're talking about scoring goals and winning games in the last minute of the game. Tell me again, off the top of your head, quickly, that Rangers have went and run riot. And want it it's got nothing to do with that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about scoring goals in the last minute and winning. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is apples for apples. Okay, then. It doesn't well, matter if you're winning, if you if it's two each and you win 3-2 in the last minute, it's still taking you to the last minute to win the game with that. So have you been convincing? Am I convinced? Has, has the team been convincing? No, they're winning games, but Bill, the, the Rangers aren't playing I'm talking. I'm talking about any team. I'm not just talking about Rangers. Hmm. If you're winning games... You can't fan- just isolate Rangers. No, I'm not... But you're making the it's point... It's exactly what you're doing. Uh, can- the point I'm making is Rangers... Ben, if you disagree with me, you can disagree and, and let me know. But the point I'm making is Rangers are winning games that they would have lost last season or drawn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, not- even St. Johnston at the weekend. I mean, <laughs> that goal like clearance from Steve Davis, it could completely change the game if that goes in. But it does, mate. Steve Davis scores in the line. We go up the park and we score number three. The full scores number three. I mean, I, th- I think that is the difference between Rangers this season and Rangers last season. So, do you think Step the ball was over that. the line there, Ben? Oh, it's no for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. My, my point was that Rangers have not been railroading teams. There's been issues, Bill. With, if you're one and one nothing and you're scraping by, 
okay, you've got three points, but at the end of the day, Bill, you're huffing and puffing. <laughs> points make prizes, goals win games, yeah. Jerry. You've been around long enough to know that, son. Well, I hope it goes to goal difference this year. Who cares? Well, <laughs> well, let, let, let Who cares? Me, well, let me ask you a question. Do you think your team will have done their job if it goes to goal difference? Oh, without a doubt. They never won it with, with outright points and things like that. No, I said, I said, if it goes to goal difference. Aye, well, there you go. If, if, if it goes to goal difference. see. How many goals are they Hung head, from your own petard, Not son. At all. Hung from your own petard. Not anyway, at all. back anyway, to ben. Aberdeen. What's your thoughts for the rest of the season, Ben? Ah, we, we, we need to start gelling soon. McInnes um, um, has been there long enough. I, I mean, I can see them turning it around yet. But I mean, we're obviously going for a sticky patch. Uh, times are tough at the minute, certainly after being knocked out the cup on Wednesday. But um, ah, we'll see how we get on from here on. All right, well, listen, thanks for being on with us uh, and giving us your analysis of the season so far for Aberdeen. Bad result last night, but I'm sure they'll bounce back. Uh, and I still think they'll be up thereabouts. And uh, you never know, Scottish Cup could be calling them, could have their name on it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? We'll Who knows? Anyway, thanks for being on with us tonight. Uh, there you go. That's uh, Ben Palmer talking to his Aberdeen journalist. What are you laughing at? Okay, Bill, laughing at? Oh, Bill, you make me laugh. How? You make me laugh, honestly. How? Just last-minute goals win your leagues. It's worked for Celtic for seasons, Jerry. <sighs> Bill, no, come on. No, I'm sorry. They're the type that, that, that teams winning in the last minute are the teams. It doesn't matter when you get your goal. It doesn't matter, you know, what happens and, and how it happens. The bottom line is that Celtic have done it for the last three or four seasons and everybody's defended them, including me. And I've said, that's the mark of a good team. They've they scored, keep playing. They've scored winning goals in, in the dying numbers of a game. Yes. And they've won the, po- they've won the league in the last three years with how many points? That's not what we're talking about. But the way you're They've talking... got those points by scoring goals in the last minute of the game's a dying embers. I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree to disagree with you. Well, here's somebody just sent something in. Right. Celtic wrapped up the league last season by scoring three 90 minute winners three weeks in a row last season. Okay. Three. Yeah, yeah, three weeks in a row. That's not the total score in the 90 minutes. Well, I'm sure if it was. They scored in the 90. Well, I'm sure if there was nine last-minute goals... The they guy... scored at 94 minutes in one game to win it. Mm-hmm. That was a Kumar, was it all? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure yeah, if, Scott... the, if the guy tweeted in, if there was nine games, they'd have won it, but three out of a season. Many many points did uh, did Celtic win by last season? I couldn't... Nine. Nine points. Nine. Three goals, 90 minutes, three weeks in a row. Many points is that? Last season? Yes. How many points? Three goals I mean, in okay. at 90 minutes, three weeks in a row. Okay. How many points is that? Okay, then. Let me... Uh, no, 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 no. Don't start your wriggling and jiggling, no, no, Sonny. Like a... Just uh, give me... How many points is three goals in 90 minutes, three weeks in a row? Okay. How many points? Nine. How many points did they win it by? I, I, I think... Was it nine? It was nine. nine. There you go. I rest my case. Thank so, you. So Next do, player, who, please. Who won the league? Next contestant, who please. Who won the league? Nick, well, Rangers, if they'd have scored goals in 90 if. minutes, even if it was only one goal. Aye, but the point is they are doing it this season. Okay. See? Okay. Next player. Next contestant. <laughs> Come on. Bring them in. Uh, <laughs> see, that's a, that's what you call... That's what you call apples for apples. No. No. That's I'm what not, you I'm call... I'm not having it, Bill. No, I'm of course you're it. not having it. 
course you're not having you're it. You're beating Kilmarnock one nothing. Of course you're not you're having it. You're one nothing. Of course you're not having it. Three weeks in a row, three late goals, nine points. Win the league by nine points. Late goals make teams win leagues because they keep going to the end and they don't take a point and they don't lose. They get three points. And well done to Celtic for doing that. I'm only glad that Rangers have learned that lesson and have got the character now to continue doing it themselves. Okay. That's the point I'm making. Okay. I'm not saying Rangers have been convincing. That's not the argument we're having. What, what the argument we're having is that Rangers are winning games they wouldn't have won last season and, you know and th- didn't win last season. And you don't think fans then say, Bill, God, we got away with it. We got away with it today. No. Hold on, hold on. No, I don't think we, we do. We got away with it today. We're not always going to get away with it. We're not always going to score a goal in the last embers of the game. So I'll come and bite you in the bum one of these days. No, we'll see. We'll see. But that's the point I'm making. I'm not making the point about Rangers steamrolling people. I'm making the points that Rangers are picking up points that they wouldn't have picked up last season. Mm-hmm. And if they continue to do it this season, I'll be like a dog with two what's-its. Oh, is that right? Okay. Of course. And why wouldn't I be? Mm-hmm. Okay. In the same way that you are about your team. No, no, no. I'm, I'm quite... Oh, shut up and let's talk about your team now and talk with somebody sensible for a change. I always enjoy having them on. Paul John Dykes. Paul, how are you, pal? I'm brilliant and it's good to hear from you. Are you all calm and you're good? How can I be calm when I've got this bam pot across from me? Paulie, where's me out? How many times have you heard me say that Celtic are a good team because they play and play and play and if they score a goal in the last minute or the dying embers or injury time it's not because it's luck it's because they keep pushing and pressing the point I'm making to Jerry tonight is that Rangers finally the penny has dropped and even when they're pretty mediocre or poor they're winning games that they wouldn't have won last season and picking up points they wouldn't have got last season mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I think both what you're saying there with regards to, to Rangers is, and it's been said a few times in the last few weeks here, you know, they are winning the, the games that uh, they probably were dropping points against these teams last season. And I think that'll be the biggest difference for Rangers this season. Yeah, they are going to go out and they're going to win against your St Mirrens and Motherwells, etc. But, you know, maybe previously they were dropping points. I think last night was a classic example. That was a potential banana skin the way that game is going but they held out and they won the game. That's the point. That's the point I've been making. I've not been bumming the chat about Rangers being brilliant or playing smooth, silky football. I've been saying that they've been winning ugly and and Rangers weren't capable of winning ugly last season. But anyway, that's Rangers. Let's talk about your team. 51 goals this season. uh, Only 26 this time last year. So almost double. Uh, You've got to be happy with that, surely. Yeah, I mean, when Neil Lennon came in, you know, last season I think it was quite difficult for him to make any sweeping changes, and we discussed that last season, Bill. But this season, um, you know, he has opened it up. We're, we're going down the wings quicker. And I think the discussion that I've had a few times on the podcast is we're going to lose a few goals here and there. Um, it's not going to be as tight. Uh, but I think the fact that you're scoring 51 goals, we can really open teams up. We've done it in Europe as well as domestically. Uh, you know, we've, got, we've won... It's games in Europe this season. And so it's great to watch. There is a, a new enthusiasm and positivity amongst the fan base because, you know, um, there was a couple of weeks there after the collusion and on filming games 
where people were starting to get a bit tetchy. And, uh, and you know, Jerry will probably uh, know what I'm talking about. They were right on Lennon's back, you know, straight away. Whereas if we had a, a similar scenario last season with Brennan Rodgers, he was a guy that could do no wrong. So I think Lennon's came through that with but, flying colours. But you know, Paul, I, I, you know, Neil Lennon has been pretty shrewd with this. Uh, he's known that there was a, a degree of resistance to his appointment and he made it very clear from the start, if not openly, Everybody in the media kind of knew that he was going to play a different style, a different brand to Brendan Rodgers, which was going to be more direct, with more pace uh, and more flair about it. And he's certainly done that and he's delivered that. How important was it, though, that he managed to get that that style of play into pretty much Brendan Rodgers' squad uh, as quickly as he has done? Oh, there's been a few casualties. I think it's been so important that he was, uh, you know, he was prepared for the likes of Sinclair being the main one uh, to be a casualty of that change. And obviously he came in last night and we're hoping to see a wee bit more of him uh, as uh, the season progresses. But, I mean, I didn't, I'm not going to sit here but and say I knew this was going to, you know, click into place as quickly as it has done. The new faces have been a, a massive, massive boost. Uh, I think our squad is so, so strong now in every position. You know, we, we've got two and three players in some positions, uh, and that was proven last night because we made eight changes, and the guys that came in, you know, Bio gives us something different up front. Johnny Hayes, you can just rely on him to go and do a job, a very professional job. No fills at times. Rodgick comes back in. Sinclair comes back in. You know, he, he's got these guys who, I'm not saying they were forgotten about, but they've not played a big part this season, and, and Griffiths is in that category as well. But one of the biggest things, although we're talking about the offensive play, one of the biggest things Neil Lennon's done is bringing Fraser Forster. And him with the two guys in the middle, Iron and Julian, they look like a formidable trio at the back. And that's going to be particularly important when we're playing in Europe as well this season, I think. Paul John, I was talking to, to Lenny, I was telling Bill, uh, four or five weeks ago, and I was up at Lennox Town with my son. And I was just chat, have, watching training, having a wee chat chat. And I said to him that the the style of play that Celtic play under him this season to what Brendan played is day and night. And Celtic play with a faster tempo to get the ball quicker. And Lenny turned around and said, uh, my first game at Tencastle, I said to the players at half-time, how many times has my goalkeeper touched the ball? And they all looked at each other, nobody answered. And Lenny said, I'll tell you, 19 times. And then he said... How many times have a number nine touched the ball? And again, they looked at each other, nobody answered, and they said, nine. And Lenny said, I told them all, this is Celtic Football Club. Our goalkeeper doesn't touch the ball more than we're number nine, which means that we're playing too far back. You have to get the ball forward quicker, and I need support quicker. And you shut down, and you don't shut down in ones, you shut down in twos and threes. And Celtic did that. And I see it, I don't know if you see it, I, I now see a quicker tempo of a Celtic team playing under Neil Lennon. What I like about it as well, Jerry, is um, a lot of these kind of new elite managers have got the chat and they talk about high tempo and all this kind of stuff. But Lennon's just put it into practice. You know, he's, he's told you that uh, on a one-to-one basis. He's not coming out after games and saying, this is what I'm going to do. Um, he just he just put it into practice. And, it, you know, it's so effective at the moment. And... In terms of where we are as a fan base, we're up there. We really are up there in, in terms of our expectations and our positivity. Because for the last you know, 
probably the last year, uh, uh, Brendan Rodgers' his tenure at Celtic. You know, the, the football wasn't great, Jerry. You know, we were grinding no. out results. Yeah. You know. But yeah, but you're a bad great. team if you grind out results. If you grind out results, according to Mr. Collins, you're a bad team. Oh, you don't win anything. See, see, if you're in a court of law, that <laughs> that word was never used. Yeah. A bad team. <laughs> carry on, carry on, Paul John. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with Lennon as well that that uh, I think he deserves a huge amount of credit for is his performances in Europe, particularly away from home, Jerry. Yeah. I mean, yes, there was the clue. I think the only mistake actually he's made this season has been the, the clues. You know, dropping. Yeah, yeah. Playing yeah. McGregor at left back and dropping ball and golly now, he's turned into what I would probably describe as a cult player. And, and we've had a few down the years. Some left back, like the Anton Rogan, and I always remember Rogan at left back, who who wouldn't always be the perfect player, but they'll run through a brick wall for you. And, you know, they might give you a six or a seven every single week. The one game he's been dropped is a game we got beat at home against Cluj. And I think Lennon maybe relented to some pressures. Uh, and making that change, and he's realised that he should stick with his instincts, you know. But yep. um, I think we'll do okay. I think we'll do okay in the Europa League. The rain game during the week, very, very positive result. As you say, you know, any chance coming into a game, and if you can get him to play, he is, if not the best midfielder in the country, well, among the Paul top jo- couple of best players in that position. I said to Bill at the start of the season, we'll have our predictions about who will win the league, and as usual, Bill tips Rangers to win the league anyway. But I'd said. The team that recruit the best in the close season will win the league. And I have no doubt whatsoever, Bill, that Celtic have recruited better than Rangers this season. And to, to elaborate that, Bill, they brought a right back on last night, Frimpong, who, mm-hmm. at 18 years of age, Bill, he plays the game as if he'd been there all his days. He was magnificent, the boy. Now, he's the third choice right back, because you've got the other guy, Moritz Boyer, or Bauer, and then you've got mm-hmm. you've got El Hatim Hamid, so they've got three quality right backs now. Oh, Hamid can now play centre back along with Julian or Ayer. They've got strength in there. They've now got the boy Greg Taylor to cover with ball and goal. Well, you've you've kind of preempted my next question, guys, which isn't a negative. Far from it, because when you've got a good squad and you've got a strong squad. There's only so many opportunities to play certain players. Yep. And, you know, you've got to worry. And I think Stephen Gerrard, to a lesser degree, will have the same problem. You've got to worry about keeping players happy. How easy is it going to be for Neil Lennon to do that, Paul? I think it'll be tough. I think um, when I was watching the game last night, you know, Bagel is quite patient and waiting for his opportunity. He came in against Hearts. He thought he scored two. Obviously, they were, they were given his own goals. He got a goal yesterday, so Griffiths is probably looking at that thinking I'm the third choice. Um, but, you know, the way that Lennon's going to have to play that is, you know, Griffiths will need to start a few games and rest Edward maybe before or after the European game. I'm, I'm pretty sure, Lennon, it's a nice headache to have, but, yeah, you've definitely got to keep the players happy. Look what happened to Sinclair. He looked really motivated because, you know, for all intents and purposes, he'd been dropped. You know, he wasn't even on the bench for some considerable time. He's come on, he looks good, looks like he's, he's beefed up a bit. And he was motivated, you could tell, when he scored that goal. So, you know, different players will require a different approach. I think yeah, some he, of the young guys. I, yeah. I, think, I think you're absolutely right. What I was going to say, Jerry, and Sinclair's a great example of it, you know, pumped up when he scored the goal. Will his expectation level have gone up now? And if he's not on the bench, for example, because he's not going to start probably, but if he's not on the bench, what does that do? Well, I was at the game last night, right? 
And it's I, not a trick question. No, it's no, a straightforward no, I, question. I'm not trying to no, be no, smug or smart. I watched the game, and before I knew the team, and I knew Lenny would make changes, I'm sitting with Tony. I said to Roper, I hope, I really hope that Sinclair plays tonight because I felt that whatever happened, his record for the three years that he's been there is unbelievable. On the goals that he scored, Bill, and the assists that he's made. And I felt, unless something really happened in the training ground that we don't know about, I really felt for the guy. I seen him on the bench and I thought, I hope he comes on. And you can tell, Bill, if a guy's left out of the team, you can tell by the body language when he comes on the park. They can't be bothered coming on the park because they know, they know it's a cameo role for them. They're not going to be there again. He come on the park as if, I want to do well here. And he did. I mean, you're right. Paul John, see this yeah, but goal. the point is, Jerry, having done that, what yeah. if he then is demoted back Bill, where he's not even no, on the bench? Bill, uh, what, what that did, when he scored the goal and they showed the, the jubilation to the fans, that then sends a message to Neil Lennon to say, I can bring this guy on any time. I can play him anytime. Mm-hmm. That guy's attitude is first class. And that's the thing I took out of that last night with, with Sinclair. Uh, unbelievable. I think the, among the fans, I think, Jerry, that the frustration was that we, we knew what, what Sinclair could do and no disrespect to, to Lewis Morgan, but I think Sinclair's above him and you know, and, and he definitely will be now in the pecking order after last night. Uh, but that, that was one of the frustrations that he wasn't getting any kind of um, yeah. game time. Uh, but again, you know, they're in four different competitions and we've got enough players there so that everybody can come in. You made a point, Bill, about uh, Taylor. You know, Greg Taylor's coming in, fantastic uh, potential and that player, and we've not seen him yet. And there's a few other young guys, but I'm pretty sure they could play the low market if, if possible and, and maybe get some of these guys out in January if they're not going to be playing. You know, we brought the young boy in from Man United. If he's not going to get a game, get out and do what they've done with Ayer. You know, do what they've done with Christie. Try and get them some game time. In Scottish football, and these guys have, have progressed so, so well. They're two of our star men, and they progressed in, in Scottish football. You didn't have to send them down to the Championship for or elsewhere, uh, as we have done in the past. It is quite clear that he's got a hunger there in the squad for players that want to play and yes. are, are going to compete for places. That is quite obvious. And the biggest one for me that's become obvious is in Cham. Well, well, well oh, the, yeah. the, the biggest one for me is Christie, because having watched Christie play um, for Celtic prior, I thought, mm, he looks a bit timid, he looks lightweight. But he went alone to Aberdeen, he's come back in. Now, I think, um, Scott Sinclair, he must look at Christie and think, that boy was out the picture and he's come right back Yeah, in. but don't forget, he, a, got, he got a hand up Jerry when Scott Brown was out. But he, he's, a, he's a main player for Celtic now and I think Sinclair must think... But well, what I'm saying is in Cham looks a different player because he knows he's got to unseat Christie. Well, I think Cham thought, and we all thought that maybe Cham was going to leave last season. That never materialised. Well, I think he thought he was going to leave well, last yeah. season. But the point I'm making is... From a positive point of view for Neil Lennon, he's now got players like Cham who are now playing and are playing with a new vigour and a new, to be honest with you, a new focus for me when you see him playing now because he thinks, if I can play and I can get in, then it's up to somebody else to try and unseat me. Whereas before, and Cham for me, I don't think realised that... (laughs) the job that he had to do to get in that team, and I think he does now. I think he's always known that. I don't think think he has. I don't think he has always known Jerry. I think he assumed 
that he was going to get in that team because he is a, a certain type of player. But for me, and I don't know, Paul, whether you agree or, or not, or you agree with Jerry, but I'm not sure that, that Encham recognised the level of commitment and the, the, the level of performance that he would have to put in to stay in the Celtic team. I think he realises it now. Yeah, we had the conversation at the beginning of the season and I, I was of the opinion that we would probably lose either Encham or, or Rodjick, one or the other. And I remember saying, you know, after his comments in the French magazine or newspaper about, you know, being the best player in the country, etc. Um, I remember thinking to myself, well, that's fine. If we can get 10 million from fine, on you go. And then you see, again, the credit that we, we must give to Neil Lennon because he's not just put him out in the dark because he made these comments. He's managed somehow to switch the guy back on. And as you saw last night, when he's on form, he's incredible. The only headache, and again, it's another headache for Neil Lennon, is... Does, does Scott Brown fit into that, you know, that triangle between McGregor, Christie and Enchan? Because that's a very, very effective trio. Where, where does Scott Brown fit in there? And he's the captain and I'm not writing him off, but I'm just saying, you know, it's a different, it's a completely different trio when, when Brown's in there. So it's, it's a great headache for, for Lenny to have. But I think he managed that situation so, so well, you know, See- rather than throwing... The toys at the pram yeah. in Chammy's turned them back round. Paul, see, having watched them, do you know what I see? I see Ayer in the Scott Brown role for next season. That's what I see him as the holding player because he's good in the ball and he wants to break forward. I see him doing that role for next season, and I can see Celtic playing with what it be Hatim along with Julian with <coughs> Moritz or the other wee fella Frimpong. I see Big Guyer stepping forward and taking over for Scott Brown. If it's not so you're next saying season, that this is Scott Brown's last season, is that what you I said? I was going to say, if it's not next season, it'll be the following season. You think you hang on to Ayer yeah, that I long? Think... Yes. Because yeah? he wants to stay for well... 10 in a row. <laughs> 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 oh, dearie me. Well, let's hope, it, let's hope it doesn't come down to scoring in the last minute of the last game then, because then you'll have something to worry about. Go on, Paul. I think the, the point Jerry makes is, is interesting because Ayer could make that move. Paul, stop. So Jerry's never made an interesting point since he's been on this show. I know. I know. <laughs> but Big Ayer, Big Ayer has been probably, I don't think anybody realised just the kind of player he was. We go back to the, the guy that brought him in was Ronnie Dyla. Um He also <clears> brought in Ryan Christie. Um, and, and credit's got to be given. He's a great talent spotter. Maybe not the best. Celtic manager uh, throughout the nine in a row either if we get nine I'm not taking that for granted but he's a great talent spotter and what we've got is we've got the adaptability of Ayer but his defensive quality as well as long as he, he, he learns not to go to ground uh, you know he pulls jerseys his hands are all over players at times but he's still young so that could be coached out of him I'm sure Paul, I just think he's so adaptable yeah my, my, my one thing with Ayer as a defender is see if you're not a defender and you're a midfield player Bill and you're asked to defend you don't think as a defender because you're not a defender and the only problem I've got with Ayer in the back four is decision making when it's defensive errors whereas the the Rennes game where he tackles the boy on the wrong footing he should have showed the boy as a defender yeah but Jerry you see players do that tackling with their leading leg all the time and you're never going to get away with it defenders you get you make the attacker go where you want them to go, your body tells the, the attacker, you're going that way and I'm tackling you. But but for me, Big Ayer makes rash decisions and his decision-making in defensive areas has caused Celtic 
certain games. All right. Okay. Paul, good to have you on, mate. Uh, good result last night. And what's your thoughts on the uh, the Hibs uh, draw? Well, I think the fact that we've got Lennon in there, and he knows, I know the squad has changed, uh, but he knows the club so well. Um, I'm, I'm going to go into that game confidently. Uh, I also think that uh, Rangers fans will be quite confident in the semi-final as well. Uh, but, you know, these things can... These things can turn out differently. I, I would suggest that we'll get through that and we'll, we'll be in yet another final and it will be 30 games in a row in, in the cup competitions domestically. Well, it'll be interesting because it's 29 just now uh, and an aggregate of 90 against 9. So there you oh, go. The Is that goals? Yeah. yeah, they've conceded uh, uh, 9 goals in uh, but, 29 uh, games. How many last-minute goals were there? Or would you want me to count through 90 of them? How many last-minute goals? I don't goals know. Did I don't win? know. Oh, OK, OK. I haven't a clue. Right. Okay. Don't be silly now. <laughs> Paul, good to talk Cheers, to you, Paul. Paul. Thank you very much for coming on and, it, and at least talking sensibly about your club. Unlike some. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Have a great weekend, guys. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, Paul. And you, mate. Cheerio. Bye bye. There we are. Paul John Dykes uh, from uh, uh, talking about Celtic for us tonight in a sensible, calm, methodical, rational way. Yes, as we always do. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll take a break while I try and catch my breath before the hysteria kills me. Have you picked up the Feel the Heat brochure from your local plum base? Get one today and take advantage of great offers, including Polypipe's Polymax 100-piece fittings bucket at £99.99. That's a 15% saving on purchasing individual pieces, and it's exclusive to plum base. The Polypipe Polymax 100-piece fittings bucket is just part of the Polypipe range available in the plum base Feel the Heat brochure. Shop online now at plumbase.co.uk or grab one from your local branch. No to point, we put the super into Car Supermarket. We're here to save the day with a choice of over 7,000 low mileage, nearly new cars. Find your next car in a flash with our lightning fast service and same day drive away. Plus, with Motor Point's price pledge, if you find the same car for less, we'll match the price and give you a £50 Amazon voucher. Visit Motor Point Glasgow today, just two minutes from junction three of the M74. T's and C's apply. See website for details. The list of things you need to do gets longer at this time of year, whether that's for the house or in your business. So take one thing off your list right now. Your septic tank could need emptied. Let Grant Henderson Tankers empty your septic tank in the home or work, farm, factory or workshop at very competitive rates. We are septic tank specialists, experienced, safe and dedicated to environmental safety with our own licensed disposal site. Find out more at wemovesh.it or call 01698 284 987. Grant Henderson Tankers, let the experts manage your waste. If you were persuaded by Lloyd's or the Halifax or any other bank to move your savings into a Stocks and Shares ISA or Unit Trust, which then ended up losing money, it's time to contact Goodwin Barrett. Text GOOD to 6677. Goodwin Barrett have already helped thousands of customers recover millions of pounds. Text GOOD to 6677 now. You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint, and if unsuccessful, you can refer it free to the Financial Ombudsman. Love music. Live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Jerry Collins on Rock Sport Radio. 
Okay, let's move to our final guest tonight. Always good to talk to him. I missed him on Tuesday uh, because I thought t- tonight there might be a few things to talk about from last night. Uh, so our man in black is back, the man in the middle, Charlie Richmond. Charlie, how are you? Sorry I missed you on Tuesday. No, not a problem. Not a problem at all. When you informed today, I-, I thought, oh, twice in the one week, things must be bad. Well, no, it's not that they're bad. They're just uh, they're, there's just a number of talking points. I'm going to start with Jim Goodwin, who says that he thinks that um, inexperienced referees have to take charge of more high-profile games. To quote him, he says, I understand the SFA have to promote referees and there's a bit of a shortage, but that's the last three games now where we've had two inexperienced referees and the step up from the Championship or League One is massive as it is for a player or a manager. I'd like to think that the SFA don't see our games being any less important than those of the top teams. I'd be interested to see how many experienced referees do the so-called bigger games involving Rangers and Celtic or the Edinburgh Derby as opposed to matches involving ourselves, Ross County, Hamilton or Livingston. What's your thoughts on Jim's comments? He's he's not backward at coming forward, Jim, but he's not a sensationalist, that's for sure. And and unfortunately, he's correct. And that's what happens um, as you as you bleed referees through. The, the teams at the lower, the end of the table, are seen to be the, the um, easier games. And I said to Alex and another Jerry on Tuesday, I thought that St. Martin Hamilton game was the wrong appointment for David Monroe. As much as he's only come into the Premier League a couple of games last season and he's come in a couple of games, so he's only really had about five or six Premier League games under his belt. I thought it was a, a bit too much. And you only see the experienced referees coming down to those games. And, and I'm, I'm not going to use some none, but the teams that are in 12, 11, 10 and 9 is when there's relegations. When relegation is evident, then you will see an experienced referee coming into that. Well, the argument argument will be, Charlie, that you have to blood referees somewhere if you want to put them into the premiership, so you have to look at them. But equally, Jim's got a very, very good and valid point that it shouldn't always be necessarily games like the games he's talking about with the clubs that he's talking about, such as his own, that it happens in. But then the opposite argument is, if you throw them into the big ones, could that destroy them? They'll get swallowed. Yes, 100%. Can you imagine putting uh, a, a, a referee who's come up into the Premier League game, he's done two Premier League games, and then all of a sudden he's running out to uh, Celtic Aberdeen or he's running out to a Rangers Hearts game. That, that, that game would be too big or, and, and you could destroy him. It's a bit like a player. You put a player into an environment too early and he has a nightmare, yeah. it would destroy him. And that's where you, you need to manage it. And I agree with Jim that sometimes it's not always the St. Martin Hamilton games. Could you look at the teams who are in position five, six and seven? When they play together, can we then look at the, the concept of putting that game in? And I don't mean to be disrespectful here, but could a Motherwell St Johnston game be a better game of football to bring a young 
an experienced referee into see, rather than yeah. a St Myrne Hamilton game. See, I, I don't agree with Jim Goodwin here, Bill, and the, the obvious reason is would Jim Goodwin play a young boy against Rangers or Celtic at home before he would play him against a Hamilton? The fact is that he wouldn't have played him against the old firm because we think that game's too big for him and we think, well, that could destroy him. So I've got to bleed him in gradually. So the referees have got to do the same. They've got to, and I, I didn't see any, any wrong with the appointment. I know Charlie's got a better idea than me, but I just thought they've got to start somewhere and rather make mistakes at that level than make mistakes at a higher level where it could be crucial come end of the season. Charlie? Yeah. And when you, when you look at the perception of the game as well, with the decisions that the young, inexperienced referee made, is that going to cost that team is this early in the stage of the season? Uh, yeah. and, and that's where a manager will probably look for that point of view. Um, yeah, you've got to you've got to get the referees in. There's a pathway. Uh, you'll come into the lower Premier League games, and then you'll do uh, the tougher games, and then you'll eventually get the old firm at home, and then you'll do more volatile games, and then you'll eventually get the old firm away from home. And once you get through that, then that steps you up for the pinnacle of the actual old firm game. I mean, there is an argument where people could make it and say there have been experienced referees that have cost, cost teams games. Mm. Oh, 100%. 100%. Bill, yeah. Uh, it just depends on that, that referee and, uh, and that day aspect mm. of, of making the right decision and, or making the wrong decision, as, as the case may be. I think that's just, uh, Bill, it's Jim Goodwin that's maybe feeling hard done by because maybe he feels he's not the rub of the green with certain referees. But and it's a true saying, it will pan out. There'll be games where he'll think, God, my player should be sent off and was he sent off? Or I got a goal that should have been a goal. It'll pan itself out. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jerry. The only thing I would say is that Jim's not one prone to outbursts and this isn't an outburst. It's yeah. a well-reasoned yeah. and put-together you know, comment and statement that he's, he's made. Uh-huh. And he's certainly not a bleeding heart, Jim Goodwin. So if he's saying it, I think he says it with the best of intentions. And, and, and there's yeah. obviously other managers that might be thinking it that are not saying it. This is one of those ones where... It's catch-22. It's a, a damned if you do and damned if you don't situation, uh-huh. Charlie. Yeah, yeah. and, and not to sound blase in any way, shape or form, but if, if, if St Myrne go on a run and get a good three, four victories and get themselves up the table, then they'll no be in that scenario um, where you'll then have the likes of um, the, the Kilmarnocks, the... the Hamiltons, the Ross Counties, the 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 Harps, and and that side of things as well, and that's a, a, a maybe an argument that Jim's putting forward as well is how many young rookie referees would because of the position of Harps are in the league would they go through to Tynecastle and do a Harps um what, what could be a Harps Aberdeen game. Let me ask Even you, that, Charlie. Charlie just league, just yeah. let me ask you this very quickly, and then you can back to finish what you've said. Is part of the problem that we're not getting enough guys coming into referee, and, and we're not getting a chance to promote enough of them uh, in a, in a more, if you like, regulated way? Are we having to bring in new referees too quickly and too many of them into the Premier League? Yeah, the, the whole heart of the recruitment drive is 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 no there. 
and players still, uh, sorry, people still want to play football. You need, to, if you want to be a top referee, you need to make a decision at 16, 17 year old, and you need to go to the top in 26, 27. And people are not willing to make that decision at that particular age because you've got uh, so many other things. So there's no the numbers coming through. Yes, there's no the promotions that was there before, and therefore the people at the top are staying on longer, whether they're making mistakes, and they know that, that if I make a few mistakes, they're not going to move me to the side because there's nobody, and I don't mean nobody, but there's no enough coming through. Jerry, can I ask you a question? Because you were saying about what Jim said, and, and let me just say that Hamilton boss Brian Rice claimed on Saturday that the SFA told him they couldn't risk placing young uh, referees in big games, and, and Jim Goodwin said he hoped this wasn't the case. Here's the thing, uh, and what you said, I can understand what you said, and I'm sympathetic to that. But you see, if you're one of those teams at the bottom of the league, mm-hmm. surely refereeing errors made by young referees could be more crucial to you than if you're mid-table or top end of the league, because it could mean you dropping out of the Premiership and going in to, to the Championship. But, but I'm looking at fair, I say, Bill, if I put a young player in, in that game, and a young player makes a mistake in that game against a lesser team, right? He'll learn from that mistake. Yeah, right. right let me just stop you because, right. because no, and I just want to make a point. I'm not going to get into one of these bouts that we have right. you and I. Right. If you put a young player in and a young player makes a mistake, uh-huh. chances are you'll not pick that young player in a, a big game again, right? If you were daft enough to put a young player in initially in a big game. But you see, if you've got a referee that's refereeing at the lower level of the SPFL, if we've not got enough referees to go around and you're not bringing the top ones down, the chances are that it could be refereeing, again, other teams around that area, which means, again, it could have an impact on a game that could send a team down into the okay. championship. But do you see what I mean? I know you're you've got control over regulating what you do with your team. If you're a manager of a team, you've got no control over the referee that's picked or the experience yeah, yeah. he's got. But I would like to think then that if the referee has made a mistake at a lesser game, mistakes are worth making as long as he learns by it. So come the next game, yeah. he would not make that mistake again. If he continually makes the same mistake, Bill, it's like a player. If a player continually makes the same mistake and causes you a goal, eventually he's left out the whole thing. But you've seen referees <clears throat> at a higher level, Charlie, making the no, same mistake. Yeah. Yeah, how 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 the referees are promoted and 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 can you clear something up? Is they're obviously refereeing well in the lower leagues. So you come in as a Grade One official, you'll do a couple of games in the second division, then you'll do games in the first division, then you'll do games in the championship, and you'll do the can you top games in the championship, and then if you're still refereeing well and consistent, then the Premier League is the next step. And where does where do you go with that? And that's where they need to be a wee bit more conscious of putting a young referee into a particular game. Now, if he makes a mistake at this early in the stage of the season, can the team recover from it? That's not what we're that's not what we're here to to discuss. We're here to discuss the fact that the the progression of the referee he must go somewhere, but he's never going to go in to a top. Game, he's, he's absolutely no way in God's earth is he going to go in to first versus second 
in, in his debut Premier League. But would you agree with me, Charlie, that potentially if you're second bottom and bottom and that referee's allocated to your game and the yeah. game that you're playing in could be the game that sends either of you into the championship, it's equally as crucial. But if that, if, if that game comes up, that game will probably closer to be closer to the end of the season and then you will get an experienced referee into okay. it. Right. Okay. So, so let's say, for example, in April or, or May, Hamilton are playing St Nunn, and whoever gets beat gets relegated, then Bobby Madden, Kevin Clancy, they'll be in referee in that game. Charles, see a, a young referee, would there be such a thing as an experienced fourth official at the side for him? The, the, when you come up into grade one, yes, in your first season, you will do uh, fourth official duties uh, so that you could be anywhere. No, and that's but... sometimes another thing that you could be uh, a wee bit consideration as well. Because if you look at uh, last night, um, Wally Collum was at uh, Kilmarnock Hibs and Davy Monroe was his fourth official. Now, if Wally Collum gets injured, Davy Monroe comes in and takes that game. A relatively young, inexperienced referee taking a quarter final of a Betfred Cup. I remember talking before, so, Charlie, that, that there, was yeah. a, there was a game and it was Wally Young. And Wally Young was the fourth official. And it was highlighted. Uh-huh. It must have been a high-profile game, an old firm or something. But Wally Young, and it was a, a young referee or inexperienced in terms of an old firm game, I think it was. But they had the, the, uh-huh. old, they had the old head of Wally Young being the fourth official who could calm it down yeah. for both benches. Yeah. I thought a young yeah. referee coming in, like, like Jim Goodman's talking about... You will see that. You will see that sometimes, that there will be an experienced fourth official. Yeah. I can't mind off the top of my head, but if, if if Ewan's got five seconds to look up the appointments for David Monroe on Saturday, who was he's the fourth official? You'll probably find it was an experienced guy. And mm. see, the the, the the experienced guy, Charlie, he can then talk him prior to game and talk him through things, can't he? Yeah, yeah. He's there to, he's there to, to try to and deal him. with yeah. scenarios and stuff. And also, there to try and deal with the... the, 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 the Animosity, that's not the word. But the the two managers in the dugout. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's an interesting one, and it's obviously a, a question that, that Jim Goodwin thought had to be asked. We've got our explanation for it now from someone who knows, uh, straight from the horse's mouth. Uh, let's look at a couple of decisions last night, Charlie, and, and there was some controversial ones. Uh, Stephen Gerrard and, and Gary Holt getting in a wee bit of a war of words where uh, Stephen Gerrard said that he was talking, Gary, Gary Holt was talking about Hollanders challenge on Dykes, yeah. which was a last-man challenge, but without any regard to the uh, clash between uh, Lamy and Arebo. Um Let's start yeah. with that one first of all. Stephen Gerrard, to be fair, said that he didn't think Lamy was uh, that type of player. He didn't think it was intentional, um, but he did think it was bordering on extremely dangerous play. Um, uh, and and I wondered what your thoughts were on that one. On the actual decision itself, for me, what I've been looking at is that the player is actually leading with his arm. His arm is outstretched ahead of him. See if his arm had been to the side 
and the contact had been made as he's jumping, then you could look at a caution for that. But see, because the player is actually charging with his arm near enough parallel uh, straight, I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised and I would be looking for a red card for that offence yeah. because of the way he has charged into it. If he jumps and then brings his arm up and catches him, then you're, you're looking at a, 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 a caution from there. The disappointing side of thing uh, from an ex-referee or uh, from the head of refereeing is Don Robertson doesn't think that's a free kick. Plus also, 10, 5 seconds earlier, the same player has pushed or man- manually handled another opponent out the road to get to that second ball and for that. And it goes back to what we were saying a couple of weeks ago where I was singing the praises of, of Stephen Gerrard coming out and agreeing it was a red cab. If both managers had come out and said we were lucky to keep 11 players in the park with decisions that went for us and decisions that went against us, then everybody would have been happier well, with that type of well, a comment. So we're, we're, we're at a situation where you're saying it's a, a, a red card for Lamy, uh, yeah. and, and you say Don Robertson didn't even give a free kick for it. Um, Hollander's last man challenge, Stephen Gerrard said that once he had seen it and seen it properly, he felt that he was lucky to stay on the park. What was your thoughts? Yes, yes 100%. And again... Again, uh, having been there, seen it, wore the T-shirt, etc., etc., you don't want to put things in it. It's a red card. It's it's a typical coaching point, Jerry. Hopefully you'll come in and back me up. Mm -hmm. When the striker gets ahead of the centre half, cut across him. And that's what's happened. And Holanda has actually put his foot through the back of his heels to try and get the ball, and he's brought him down. And the other side, the other side of things as well is we've got an assistant referee in that side looking across. There must be conversation, having not been privy to it, but there must be conversations between Don Robertson and David Doig. And that is a decision. That is a decision, guys. And I apologise for, for for the way that must be that must be correctly administered. That's a decision that. You've got a clear line of sight. You've got everything for that. It must be caught. The decision must be made and the correct red card must be awarded. Charlie, I was at Parkhead last night. I always seen that the last five, six minutes of highlights of what the Rangers game. And oh, we had a few red wines. My, and I came into the studio today <laughs> and I said to Bill, my reaction was, we had a few before he came in the night. No, my reaction was, Bill, eh, Charlie, that it wasn't a red card. Because I thought, I know if he's kicked or if he's brought him down, it's a red card. I genuinely thought he played the ball. But in what i seen, and they're all shouting about a red card, and I thought, no. For, that, for, a, yeah. for me, a defender, I'd have been happy with the tackle. And I didn't expect a red card. Or I didn't think it was a deliberate foul. And the referee didn't think that hmm. either. Uh-huh. No, it's a, it's the a, Rangers it's a boss. Kick. The Rangers boss said when he seen it again, he thought it was. Yeah, it's a free kick and it's a red card, guys. And Charlie, and it, just clarify. Open. Sorry, sorry, but but in here yeah. because I've had this conversation with people before, and your illustrious colleagues 
up and down the country have very quickly reminded me there is no such thing as a last man rule, I believe. That's right. That's correct. So, you must deny a clear, obvious goal-scoring opportunity. Right. So it's not because he's the last man. It's because you no. determine... Now, could it have been then that the referee last night felt that there was still more work to do and that he hadn't denied him of a clear goal-scoring opportunity? Right. Try and picture this in your mind then, guys. Take Holanda right out the equation. And obviously, the the ball is played through, and the, the Livingston guy is there. What's your initial thought? My initial he's got thought... Clear, he, uh, he's in goal. He's got that, a clear, clear obvious yeah. goal. My initial him. thought is that Griggs yeah. is going to save it like he does most of them. <laughs> that's my initial thought. No, Charlie, that's the thought of the Rangers fans. You're right. He's got a clear goal-scoring opportunity. But, yeah. Listen, I, I, I wouldn't do... argue with it. I'm just saying it's not a last-man yeah. thing. No. It is a clear goal-scoring no. opportunity 100%. situation. Yeah, 100%. That's why you can actually... If the guy gets the ball in the in the penalty area and he's got a shot at goal and there might be two defenders in front of him and he gets his ankles clipped through him, uh, sorry, outside the box, because obviously it doesn't work with regards to that, if he's made a genuine attempt for the ball, then you think, well, there's two defenders in front of him, but he's got a clear, obvious goal-scoring opportunity. Charlie, do you think that the, the officials would have a dialogue on that one then? The, the, I would like to think, as an experienced guy sitting here, there must have been some sort of conversation between them. There must have been. And how they come up with, again, a play on, I, I don't know. And it goes back to the concept of the strong assistant referee or maybe even the fourth official. Where it happened in the area of the park, there might have been an opinion from the fourth official. So there must have been dialogue happening between them with regards to that. And along the lines of David Dog might think, that's, that's, that's a red card, that's a foul, red card, foul, red card. Um, and maybe he hasn't had the convictions to put his flag up and do it. I don't know, but I would like to think there would have been some sort of communication between them to eventually come to that right decision. Charlie, that's what you think. That's your opinion, right? So the people that, mar- the, people that mark the officials, will they be marked down on your opinion on that performance? Well, what the, what the observer will do is the observer will go in after the game and he will draw that decision to the referee's attention that he is going to review it with watching the DVD. He will give his opinion. So at the moment, I think it is a free kick and a red card. And I'll go and review it, and I'll come back and give you the decision after reviewing the DVD. And then, if he says on the telephone conversation, there'll be a telephone conversation either tonight or tomorrow night between the observer and the referee Mm -hmm. going through the game, and he will say... At the dressing room, I thought it was a free kick, a red card. I've looked at it, the DVD now, and I'm convinced that it's a thing in a red card. So he will lose X amount of marks for that. And he will send his report into the SFA. The SFA head of refereeing will look at that, and then he will give an opinion with regards to that as well. If he thinks the observer is wrong, then he'll go back and ask the observer to reconsider his, his report. If he thinks he's correct then the referee will be uh, marked accordingly. 
Okay. Charlie, let me move on to simulation because last night there was an obvious piece of simulation. I think it was from Crawford in the box where, again, Holander was involved, but there was absolutely no contact. You could see that from a number of different uh, areas and a a number of different angles. Now, correct me, I think it was Jordan Jones who was given a two-match ban for simulation when he was at Kelly. Is the compliance Uh officer still obliged to look at those uh, particular incidents and then take some kind of action if it's been proven that simulation has taken place? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, she will will go and look at it. The the attention has been drawn to it for that side of things. And then again, she will look at, is there a case to answer? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll We'll be looking at the laws of the game. We'll be looking at the legal side of things and then she will issue on that state of things. If they don't think there's a case to answer, then they will withdraw the process aspect of it from there. Uh, and in light of, we spoke about the beginning of the season, uh, beginning the, the telephone conversation with the, the Hamilton St. Mern, the, the incident with McAllister, there is no case to answer with regards to further punishment. So that's all been looked at, and that will still look. So the simulation, but what I will say, I know I've only watched a wee bit of the the highlights and having been out last night, but and this is not a, a, a case of of um, this was, that was clear simulation. But seeing that that astroturf, there was a lot of people losing their feet, a lot of people just trying to turn inside or outside, and their feet just went um, in regards to that concept. So maybe maybe that Don Robertson has maybe thought of the player has as he's checked inside, he's lost his feet, and then he's went down. And that's that's not a case of, of trying to get out or defend. That's just a, a, a kind of way that I thought a lot of players reacted. But going back to the simulation side of things, yeah, playing officers will look at it and then administer whatever they think. Well, let, sorry, Jerry, just very right. quickly. So let me let me ask you: Having seen that incident, are you happy that it's simulation? And do you think that uh, there may be a case to answer there from the 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 compliance officer? I don't think so. No, you don't. I don't, I don't think. I think there's too many variables. I think there's too many variables in that side of things. And for there, uh, on on what you're looking with regards to the, the contact, or, or was it was there enough contact? But in this case, as you say, it clearly shows that there's absolutely nothing because if he's if this compliance officer uh, cites for simulation and they go up and argue, well, I slipped. And I wasn't looking for the penalty. It was actually two or three of my my teammates that I claimed for the penalty. In regards to there, then that's into a, a different argument. And I know that people have been looked at that and said, "Well, I wasn't looking for the penalty, but you get the two match ban." And that's the argument that they'll be looking maybe to avoid and maybe not to 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 go down. Charlie, I I don't see the compliance officer too much, Bill, involved in simulation. And the reason I'm saying that is the one that I broke with Callum McGregor, where Callum McGregor went across the park, remember? No, I don't. Yes, I... He crossed the park, right. Charlie, yep. and he yep. went down, and he wasn't yep. tackled. Yeah. And people thought he should be yep. booked, but he didn't get booked for it. And then he got booked later on. Yep. Had he been booked for that, they reckon he'd been sent off. So if the compliance officer didn't get involved in that simulation, yep. Bill, I don't see them get uh-huh. too much involved in other simulations. This is this is where the player will put up a, a an argument yeah. aspect of it. It's a grey area, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. 
But what it does do, it calls into question then about simulation in general. And, yeah, and the rules a- on simulation, because if you're Jordan Jones, then you're going to turn around and say, well, hang on a minute. I get done for two games for this. Why isn't somebody yeah. else? But, Bill, does it, does it, is, is there a difference here? Because Jordan Jones get done when he was in the penalty box trying to gain a penalty kick, right? But does, well, so was, so was Crawford last no, night. No, but I'm going, I'm going to say he... Was the try- penalty kick was a word. Was the penalty kick a word yeah, for Jordan yes. Jones, wasn't it? Yeah, he got that, the penalty. That, that was the... Yeah, yeah. But maybe that's where. If right. the penalty, I don't know. Maybe if the penalty kick had been awarded to Livingston last night, maybe then, maybe then that would have been a stronger okay. case for All the right. compliance officer. Yeah. Very quickly, Charlie. There was a, a a tackle which was a late one by Lyndon Dykes on Connor Goldson. Studs up. I don't know if you managed to see that one. I, I did. I didn't see. Uh, um, um, you asked me, and I. The, the, Footage that I tripped through, it didn't show it in um, regards to there. Um, is it the case of the, the centre-forward going in to try and block the ball as the defender clears it away and there's a perception of who kicked who? Is, is that, no, is, no, it's, no, defend? no. He, he, hits him, he hits him just above the ankle. He goes to ground... Uh, Lyndon Dykes, uh, and he uh-huh. goes and he goes to the ground, and he takes. Uh, Golson's got the ball, but he takes him just above the ankle, with the studs up. Right, so he's coming in, and he's actually play. Do you see his ankle rolling over? Well, I didn't look that closely, but I know he hit him in the uh, ankle. And... The ankle for there. Yeah, maybe a late, a late challenge. What, what was it? Was it a free kick and a caution, or was it? I can't remember. What was it? Yeah, he got, yeah he, got book, he got booked for it. No, he got booked for it. Play. All right. Uh-huh. So again, that would probably be the perception of uh, the referee at the time. Uh, was it more reckless and dangerous than uh, yeah. endangering the safety? Forwards the tackle. With the, speed, the speed of the challenge. Is, is, and what was the opportunity to win the ball? Yeah. Um, so Don would be thinking of those side of things. By the way, uh, Willie Collum was the fourth official that you were looking for. Yeah, yeah. So Willie Collum was the fourth official to uh, David Monroe on Saturday. Yes, he was. So their role reversed. So their role reversed for Saturday to to last night. So mm. again, a wee bit of experience working together, reaching another. All right, Mr. Richmond. Ch- thank Charlie, you. Charlie, 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 finishing a good note, Charlie. Friday night, very good for you. Oh, I we had a good we had a good laugh on Tuesday night with Alex and uh, Jerry. Yeah. Um, we we went up there. You, you thought it was a tight. You thought it was a tight game, but uh, I don't want to sound. It was men against boys. Um, Kelty just never turned up. Kelty just never turned up, uh, and the goals we scored uh, were good goals at the right time. Uh, and two nothing to get the goal just before half time, Gary. As you know it, if you're going in one nothing, you've yeah, got a chance. If you're going in two nothing, you're 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 out of the game. And then yeah. coming out in the second half. Five ten minutes, three nothing. Uh, superb. Tucker spot on. Four five one. Counter attack, uh, and then even the third goal. Um, I've stopped listening to sports. Are you going to talk me through this back. whole game? I've got to get to the news. Oh, the man's in a high. The man's in a high. <laughs> Charlie, oh, well. always good to talk Thanks, to you. Charlie. Thanks, mate. Thanks very much. Speak Brilliant. to you again Cheers on again, Tuesday. Cheers. Bye bye. There we are. Charlie Richmond talking to us. That's it for us, Jerry, for tonight. Thank you for coming in, even under the weather. 1 1 at the moment, Glasgow City against the Russian team. I'll be back tomorrow. 
I think it's Chertanova, isn't it? I'll be back tomorrow with Hugh and Paul Hegarty. Love music. Live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Jerry Collins on Rock Sport Radio.